Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas are an itchy nuisance and can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMed's pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best flea and tick products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com promo code PODCAST for 40% off your first auto ship order. <laughs> It's the middle of the night. You're in a deep, heavy slumber. Until, slowly, you stir. You realize your chest is heavy. You open your eyes, but you can't focus because you're not awake. But the thing is, you're not asleep either. All you know is there's something on top of you, something alive that's deeply inhaling whatever breath emerges from your lips. You want to move, but your heavy, sleep-ridden limbs won't let you. You want to scream, but your mouth won't open. And just trying to do either of these elicits a growl from the thing that's on your chest. Unfortunately for you, this isn't a dream. It's a boo hag. And if you feel it sitting on you in the middle of the night, you're out of luck. It's already too late. I heard about the boo hag while staying in the Georgia Sticks, somewhere outside of Savannah. See, I'd been tasked with writing a script set in that area, and sometimes the words don't flow unless you're there in the flesh. Unfortunately, even after I got to town, the words still weren't coming. It made this worry seep in. A cruel internal naysayer in my head started telling me all kinds of tales, that I wasn't good enough to write this thing, that I'd never get it done which is why I found a way to procrastinate putting pen to paper. It involved making a social call to some friends who lived even further out in the boonies. They were surprisingly iffy on having me. When I got there, I found out why. Something had happened next door. It had made them afraid for the safety of any potential guests. A creature called a boo hag had made a social call to their neighbor. According to them, This kind of hag is a special breed of witch, straight from Gullah folklore, brought to Georgia's low country on the lips of enslaved people who toiled there. It's considered by some to be a metaphor for possession or an old explanation for sleep paralysis. But really, the boo hag is a whole lot more than that. It's a night prowler, a denizen of evil that sneaks into homes through the tiniest of cracks, an open window, a door lock, 
Once inside, it sits on its victim's chest and steals their breath while they sleep. That's how these vampiric creatures feed, you see, on your air, your life force. If you somehow manage to fight back, boohags don't like that. It'll make them take something from you, something even more essential than your breath. Before I get into what that is, I do want to warn you. This story, it got under my skin, and I'd bet it's going to get under yours too. You're listening to Run Fool. I'm Rodney Barnes, and this is episode 10, Boo Hags. Mary stood in the middle of the living room she'd grown up in. It was exactly as she remembered. Floral couches with perfectly fluffed pillows, dried flowers and expertly picked out vases. The patter of rain on the roof echoed through the home. The amber glow from the wall sconces made the space seem cozy, peaceful. It wasn't. A closer look revealed the room was teeming with dust, every inch of it. It seemed to coat Mary's clothes, too even though she'd only just arrived. No one had been in this place for a long freaking time. Which brings me to why Mary was there. Her mother had been missing for over a year. That was long enough for an estate lawyer to give Mary a ring and tell her the news. Her mom was presumed dead. The house was hers. Now Mary and her mom had beef, the unresolved kind. I'll explain more on that in a minute. But what you gotta know now, standing in that living room was making Mary feel a lot of things. Hurt, guilt, stress. But she was a 26-year-old social worker in a tough real estate market. Being given a house wasn't something she could say no to. So she decided to make it into an Airbnb or something. Everyone needs a side hustle these days. Then she'd hightail it out of there, back to her life in Savannah. The day was spent blasting Olivia Rodrigo from her phone and cleaning. Dust, cobwebs, rat excrement, the works. She also took it upon herself to sterilize the place. You know, get rid of any personality. No renter's gonna want to look at family photos. And the living room mantle was covered in them. There were those braggy kind of photos. Mama doing important things with various high-profile community members. She was into appearances, you see especially her own. Mary put each picture into a trash bag. They go to the attic for the time being, but one made her pause. It was a Mary and her mom in front of church in their Sunday best, beaming. It hurt to look at it, because it was a lie. Before and after that photo, Mary's mother had been on her case about everything under the sun. Her hair was a mess, dress was wrinkled. You get the idea. That was it. The story of the demise of this mother and daughter. Mary trying to please her mom and always being told she wasn't good enough. She got into college, but not the right one. Found a job, not a well-paying one. All that's to say, as an adult, Mary had a fair amount of crippling insecurity, which she blamed on her mom. It was why she cut ties. Told her mother not to contact her unless it was to apologize. That was two years ago. Yeah. The silence stung just as much as her mama's disapproval. A soft tapping sound came from the window, 
The rain was coming down outside harder than before. It made long, weeping streaks on the glass. Through those streaks was someone's blurry face, looking right at Mary. It was a face she'd know anywhere, even when it was marred by rain. Her mother. But seconds later, the figure who was possibly her mom vanished. Mary ran to the window, looking across the gloomy, wet lawn. To the left, the right, nothing. This was the kind of thing she'd been worried about. Being back here was messing with her head, tearing open old wounds. That's when a mean voice took over. That same kind of nasty internal naysayer that yours truly had experience with. He told Mary coming back was a bad idea. She was too weak for this kind of thing. A jarring shriek tore her from her thoughts. A series of chimes followed. The cuckoo clock in the foyer was going mad, telling Mary insistently it was the top of the hour, 6 p.m. She'd been working all day long. Suddenly, she felt like it too. She spent the rest of the evening making herself a half-assed dinner. As she ate, she felt an unwelcome thrum of anxiety build. The house felt large around her, looming, like if she wasn't careful, it would consume her. For the second time, she wondered if coming back was a horrible mistake. When she turned in that night, she wasn't shocked to see her childhood bedroom had been redone. The walls were once full of rock bands and sports teams, but her mom had swapped those out for pale yellow paint and frilly linens. She designed a room for the daughter she wanted instead of the one she had. Mary brushed aside the sharp sting of hurt that came with this thought, got in bed, and turned off the bedside lamp. She was asleep within seconds. Mary couldn't say what occurred to her first, but sometime in the wee hours of the morning, she became aware of the room around her. One of those half-sleep, half-awake moments where you're vaguely alert, but your body is still snoozing. I've felt this way a few times. It's brief, though. Moments later, I'm knocked out again. But Mary couldn't just doze off, because even though her body was limp, she could still feel everything. That's how she knew. There was someone kneeling on her chest. The room was pitch black. Mary couldn't see, but she could feel a pair of slimy, wet knees jammed against her clavicle, rocking back and forth, cutting off her air supply. She wheezed as two frigid, clammy hands pressed down on her shoulders. Something prickly and damp tickled her face. It was hair. Whoever was on top of her, they were bending over, inhaling deeply, soaking in whatever feeble breath escaped from Mary's mouth. Then came a soft, hoarse humming, a lullaby of sorts, as if this person was coaxing Mary back to sleep, telling her not to worry, that everything would be okay. Uh, no, ma'am. A person was kneeling on her chest in the middle of the night, and they were humming. Things were definitely not okay, so Mary struggled. Only she couldn't actually move. Her brain wanted to. It urged her to respond, but her arms were dead weight. Legs, too. Her body was still fast asleep. She tried screaming. She could visualize her mouth opening wide, but it stayed shut. Silent. She was trapped. And this, this thing continued to inhale Mary's air, to press on her chest. Sunlight hit Mary's face and she sat up. It was morning. The rain had cleared, 
The room was empty. She put a hand on her chest. It was tender, but she could breathe again. She slouched as relief hit. It'd been a dream. A messed up one, but yeah, beast the alternative. She closed her eyes. Her head ached, but she forced herself to get up. Because if last night's dream told her anything, it was this. The house wasn't good for her. The sooner she was done setting it up, the sooner she could leave. In the kitchen, Mary waited for her bread to toast and made a to-do list. One, clean the bedrooms. Two, put personal effects in the attic. As she wrote, her mind wandered. The paper blurred, her eyes itched. A yawn stretched her dry lips. Damn, she couldn't remember the last time she was this tired. Her bread popped out of the toaster, startling her. When she went to grab it, she caught a glimpse out of the window. Her mother was outside, again. This time, she stood a few yards away by an old willow tree. Mary stared, mouth agape, heart pounding. She watched as her mom lifted a hand, waved. Then Mary blinked, and the vision was gone. Before she could berate herself for letting this place get to her yet again, a familiar shriek came from the foyer, the cuckoo clock, shouting at Mary that it was already ten. She better get a move on. So, that's just what she did. She worked herself to the bone that day, making progress on her to-dos. But that night, the nightmare returned. A damp, unseen stranger sat on her chest, singing a lullaby and taking Mary's breath. It happened the next night, too. By day three, Mary was delirious, sleep-deprived, but she was also so close. One more day of work left. You know, some odds and ends. Moving the final bits of crap to the attic. Waiting for the new couch to arrive. After that, she could put this house up on all those rental websites. Then reap the benefits of this depleting week. She decided to get some reinforcements to make it through this last stretch. You know the kind. Good old sleep aids. So she hopped in her car, then drove 20 minutes to the town pharmacy. The pharmacist was one of those men that was either 60 or as old as time itself. She remembered him from when she was a girl, so she guessed the latter. When she dumped her sleepy time hall on the counter, he gave her a look. The knowing kind. He said, You might not want to hear this, but I don't think this will cure what you got. It didn't help your mama either. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Sure, the pharmacist sounded ominous, but Mary hadn't slept in three days. Everything felt ominous, so she just stared at him blankly, even as he dropped a bombshell on her. He said that Mary's mom had been there just days before she went missing. She'd bought the same haul, and based on what she'd told him, he wasn't sure it was sleep either of them needed. It was to get rid of the boo hag that lived in their home. 
Mary frowned, trying to keep up. Her mind felt slow, heavy, like it'd been filled with mud. But she heard a few things. A boo hag, a witch who steals your breath at night. But that isn't the worst of it. Her head was pounding. Just standing there, trying to stay awake was tough. For another, this guy was making her feel all kinds of anxious. She had enough on her plate without an old folktale making it harder for her to sleep at night. So she interrupted him with a quick thank you and booked it out the door. She didn't even take her slumber meds with her. The sun was setting when Mary got home. She went straight into the kitchen to pour a glass of wine. Her hands were shaking as she mulled over what the pharmacist said. It hit a little too close to what she experienced that night. The woman, the breath. Before she could stop herself, she pulled out her phone and did a quick Google. Boo hags. She caught a few things. A witch from Gullah or Hoodoo lore can be stopped if you leave out something like a broom. It gets distracted by counting the bristles. That cruel voice in her head interrupted her reading. It told Mary she was idiotic for believing in boo hags, that she was just looking for an excuse as to why she couldn't handle being there, an explanation for her own weakness. Mary slammed the phone down, rubbed her temples. In the silence, the house creaked lightly, as if settling down for the night. Then, a more distinctive sound emerged. The floorboards groaned loudly. Somewhere upstairs, it had the very specific tone of footsteps. Mary set her wine down, waited. They came again, louder this time. She slowly stood and grabbed a knife from a drawer. Her hand trembled as she held it aloft, making her way to the foyer, to the stairs, then up, one step at a time. She reached the landing, waited. Then a noise came from her mama's room, a foot scuffing against the wood floor, followed by a sigh. Mary inched towards the door and reached out. She twisted the knob, raised her knife, and flung it open. The bedside light was on. It cast a myriad of shadows around the room. In the inky recesses of the space, a figure stood, backlit, but Mary would know that silhouette anywhere. It was her mother. This time, she didn't disappear. She wore a nightgown. Her hair was a true mess, kinda in a bun, but pulled every which way out of it too. Frizzy stood up on end, nothing like the polished woman Mary remembered. And she didn't say anything. That was unlike her too. Finally, Mary spoke, just a whisper. Mama? Mary's mother turned. Half the light from the lamp caught her cheek. She looked terrible, ashen, sunken eyes and skin that seemed to hang off her face like a draped curtain. You know, all this time, Mary's mama had been what we call a big bad, a looming villain in Mary's head, the source of that naysayer voice that always brought her down. But seeing her mom confused and haggard, it took away a lot of the power she'd had over her daughter. At that moment, Mary didn't feel any righteous anger, just pity. So she set down the knife 
and found herself saying the only thing she'd ever really wanted to say. I forgive you. At least in this moment, she meant it. Her mom turned all the way around. Mary, thinking they were about to hug it out, opened her arms. She stepped closer, but as she did, she noticed the other side of her mom's face was wrong. The flesh on her cheeks hung even more there and seemed to be uneven. The edges of her eye were peeling off, exposing raw muscles, tendons. When Mary's gaze traveled down her mom's body, she stifled a scream. The front of her nightgown hung open in tatters, like it had been slashed. The skin beneath it was uneven, too, full of ripples yanked tight in some areas, hanging loose and pursed in others, like her mama had been torn open and sewn together again. As Mary took this in, her mom reached her hands into the seam at her belly and pulled. Her chest came apart with a loud rip. The hands shoved the skin off her chest, took a shoulder out, then an arm, then pushed her mama's face back like it was a hoodie. The skin dropped to the floor and a figure stepped out of it, a woman. She was shiny, pure muscle, Stringy, matted hair hung over her face, but it parted just enough for a single bloodshot eye to peer out at Mary. Below that piercing gaze, a lipless grin. The person Mary had just achieved a milestone emotional moment with was not her mother. It was a horrific and possibly grotesque creature who had been wearing her mom like a garment. It was a boo hag. The slick woman who had been living inside her mama took a step forward, and Mary finally had the wherewithal to tell her own feet to start moving. She shot out the room, down the stairs, into the foyer. She was almost at the front door when... The cuckoo clock shot out at her with a wail. It was the top of the hour. Now, this had happened a ton of times already, but even so, it still scared the hell out of Mary. She flinched and staggered backwards, Her foot caught the bottom step and she fell upwards against the stairs. Her head collided with the wood so hard she saw stars. But she became alert enough when she heard movement at the top of the landing. A look up told her it was the boo hag in all her skinless glory. She crawled towards Mary on all fours, limbs twisting over themselves in her haste. A bloody, deranged acrobat. Mary struggled to her feet, then veered into the living room. She probably should have headed to the door, but, you know, instincts and all that. They don't always do you right. As she ran, she flung open a hall closet trying to slow that thing down. A broom fell out and hit the floor with a clatter. Mary really didn't notice. She was headed towards the kitchen to the back door, but something made her stop. A low, familiar humming came from behind her, the one she woke up to every night. The boo hag was sitting on the ground, fingers buried in the broom's bristles. She was counting each one fervently, humming as she worked. Mira remembered what Google told her. Giving the boo hag something to count was one tried and true way to stop it. She had to give it to the internet. It really does have all the weird random crap you could possibly need. Now this kind of bizarre turn of fortune was a good thing. It bought Mary time to get away. But she wasn't running for the door. She was thinking about her mama, in particular of that skin upstairs on the floor, discarded, ready for this monster to put it back on whenever she felt like it. 
image was everything to her mom. Some old hag wearing her face around and making a mess of it? That would have been her mom's worst nightmare. Mary hadn't really gotten to tell her mother she forgave her, but she'd felt the forgiveness in her heart anyway. And the next best thing to her mama actually hearing it, doing her a solid and getting rid of her skin before the boo hag could take it again. The hag was still counting behind her. Mary flew past, up the stairs, into her mama's room. The hide was still there, left in a pile like sloppy, soiled clothes. Mary nudged it with her foot, grimacing at its sodden weight. Then her eyes landed on the bedside table. A big old Martha Stewart-style candle sat on its surface. Next to that, a lighter. Mary knelt before the rubbery mask that used to cover her mother, held the lighter up. She clicked it a few times until the hair caught, then the face, then the neck. Mary stepped back, watching what was left of her mom erupt in flames. Tears stung her eyes. She felt a weight lift then. For the first time, she was sure of one thing. If her mom was alive, she'd be grateful, maybe even proud. Mary was so in tune with her own thoughts, she didn't hear the floor creak behind her. She just felt a sharp, jolting pain as the broom handle smashed against her head, and everything went dark. Mary awoke to a familiar feeling, her body limp and helpless, her mind active and alert. She could feel the boo hag's legs clamp down on either side of her. She couldn't move, couldn't scream, couldn't do a single thing but stare up at this creature. A mass of wet, ratty hair hung over her. The skinless face glared down. Ripples of muscle and veins popped from the hag's cheeks. That fleshless smile looked eager. Mary expected the hag to do her usual routine, breathe in, steal her breath, to ride her till exhaustion took over and Mary fell asleep. That would have been nice. Instead, the hag lifted a finger. Her sharp, yellowing nail glinted from the light of the still-burning flames behind her. That's when Mary realized her mistake. By burning her mom's skin, she'd taken it from the hag, which meant she'd be needing another one. The hag plunged the nail into Mary's chest, then ran it down the length of her abdomen, slicing Mary open like a peach. Of course, Mary couldn't scream. She felt it, though. It rose in her throat, pounding at her lips as it tried to release. But as her flesh was torn away from her body, that silent wail faded. Mary's consciousness dwindled, soon becoming as dead and lifeless as her paralyzed body. The boo hag inhaled deeply as she ripped Mary apart. She wiggled the bouncy, taut flesh off Mary's limbs, peeling Mary like an orange rind, the kind that comes off in one whole piece. Once she'd gotten the skin off, she put an arm inside. The warm squish of blood oozed around her, soothing her now dried out muscles. She put the other arm through and stepped into Mary's legs. She drew the stomach and the chest flaps together, At that moment, the sunlight hit her face through the window. Dawn was here. She'd gotten Mary's husk on just in time. It was her armor against the day, against those who might recognize her for what she is. 
The boo hag moved to the glass pane. She looked out at the weeping willow trees, the swampy marsh beyond that, the closest neighboring house just down the road. As she stood there, she wondered who would come next. After my friends finished their story, we ate dinner in silence. The whole time I was dreading the drive back to my lodgings. In the dark, with nothing to think about but the skin-stealing hag who lived next door. When it was time to hit the road, I decided I'd speed by their neighbor's house, and I'd give it a second glance. But <laughs> that sure as hell didn't happen. As I passed, I stopped to take it in. It was dilapidated. Paint was peeling. A nice home that hadn't been tended to in a while. There was a light on in an upstairs window. A figure stood there. Maybe they'd been watching the whole time I lingered out front. It was a young woman. She stood very still. So much so, I wasn't sure she was real till she lifted a hand. Gave me a stiff wave. I didn't wave back. Just put my car in gear and drove away. Like I said, I'd been having my fair share of self-doubt. Just like everyone. But all things considered, I decided I felt pretty good about being me. And I definitely didn't want anyone else taking my skin for a ride. Run Fool is a production of Ballin Studios, Campside Media, and At Will Media. It is hosted and executive produced by me, Rodney Barnes. This episode was written by Kate Murdoch and produced by Abakar Adan and Lee Mengistu. Editing by Matt Scher. It was also sound designed and mixed by Kevin Seaman. Creature vocalization by Terry Cashburn and Colette Anderson. And artwork by Jessica Clogston Kiner. Production support by Jeremy Bond and Cole Lacasio. Special thanks to our operations team, Doug Slaywin, Ashley Warren, Sabina Mara, and Destiny Dingle. Executive producers at Ballin Studios are Mr. Ballin, Nick Witters, and Zach Levitt. Executive producers at At Will Media are Will Malnati and Rosie Guerin. Executive producers at Campside Media are Matt Scher, Josh Dean, Vanessa Gregoriadis, and Adam Hoff. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. <laughs>